0: Hey, okay. this is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew sixteen thirteen through 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let me pray. God, we ask this morning for for ears that can hear, eyes that can see, and hearts that have the courage to continue walking in your way with you, remembering, remembering your great love for us. We love you. Amen. Cheers, Dan. Uh, <clears throat> big day, big day. <laughs> There's like all these things happening in like deep subtext, like a toddler with a hands on the hip walking with mom, and, right? And you're like, what's the story? Um, <laughs> maybe you don't wonder. Okay, so a couple things...
0: Mm.
1: Well, let's just go to Matthew Uh, Matthew 16, right? Your pew Bibles, if you want to grab them It is No, Matthew, yeah, Matthew 16, 13 through 20 So this is, everything Happen. Nothing happens in a vacuum Nothing happens disconnected from other things And so, and I think, you know, one of the Things that that we miss when we read scripture is the like the connectivity. Um, Because, well, I don't know, I think we're used to things just being served to us, right? Like we're not used to having to do the homework to to read and to gain some understanding, right? A A good article has everything you need in it. You don't have to refer back to another article or a good book. You know, maybe if it's in a series, Um, but you're expected to know that, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. If you don't know that, that's on you, right? So, scripture works this way for us, where there's a lot of things that we're expected to know that if we don't know coming in, we miss it. So, this place, Caesarea Philippi, we. so the, those of us who went on the, the pilgrimage a couple weeks ago, we were supposed to go to this place where this happened, where this moment happens. It's called Banyas. We didn't go um, because it was hot. It was like 110 degrees. And spoiler alert, I got lost at the previous uh, site we were at. Yes, I got lost. Um, <clears throat> so all of, our, all of our time was compressed and, and whatever. So we didn't go there. But what we would have seen, I will tell you all, there's this thing there called the Cave of Pan. And I don't know if you've ever made this connection, but the word panic is connected to the, the Greco-Roman god Pan. And so there's a cave in Banias, or Caesarea Philippi, and what would happen is, um, all of the things that would happen there, what, Kate's looking at me like I did something, which probably means I did. Um, so there's this cave there, and the shepherds would bring their sheep and they would sacrifice a sheep to the god Pan by throwing it down this deep hole. And it would fall, and, and if when it came out, like, because it would hit water and it would stream out and whatever, and if it came out, if there was blood, it meant it would be a bad year. Buckle up. Maybe throw another sheep down the hole. And if nothing came out, you could be, okay, good. No need to panic. All will be well. So this is what happens in this place, this is, this is the, the story of the space Jesus is having this conversation when he asks the questions Who do they say that I am? And I love this question, and I love this question more after, it, after I got to see, after I got to taste this space, because Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd doesn't throw his sheep into the well, into the hole. What does the good shepherd do? He goes, into the hole in our place. He descends for us. So this question, Jesus is setting himself up and saying, this thing that the world has told you about God, that God is angry with you, that you must sacrifice things in order to make God happy, this is not true. This is like built in to the background, to the context, to the space where this question is asked and Jesus gives an answer and says, God's not like that. So I love this question. I love this question in this space. Uh, It's part of why, if you're able, taking a a, a trip like like we did, and we're gonna do it again, so no need, you didn't miss out, um, why they're really helpful, really important. And so what I want to do is just take some time this morning to think about this question, um, to think about this, like, most important thing that, that we wonder about, like, what's God like? And I don't mean, like, what do you say when you're here? Because we, you know, we sing, we sing and say good things because we put these things in our mouths, um, But also, what do you think God's life like when things are falling apart? What do you think God is like when there's another shooting? When there's more heartbreak, right? When when you wake up and everything on your phone says, go back to bed. So I want to think about this question of what do we think God's like, but then also the question, who who are we? What do we think? Who do we think we are? And I want to suggest that these things are very very um, <clears throat> very tied together. Now, before we jump in, I want to give a couple puzzle pieces that I think are helpful because halfway through this, you might think I've gone crazy. If you don't already think that. So, John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, or amen, amen, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I'm doing, and they will do even greater things than these. So, number one puzzle piece to drop in there this is something Jesus tells his disciples. And then the second is all throughout Scripture, John 1, 12, but to all who receive him, this is speaking of Christ, to those who believed in his name, he made them to be children of God. Uh, Romans 8, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and the, that creation waits in eager expectation for the revealing of the children of God. Paul, again, writing in Corinthians, says, I'll be a father to you, and you will be, and he's saying, God's saying this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, and then even in the prophet uh, Hosea, um, though it once was said your name is you are not my people, you will now be called sons and daughters of the living God, part of the, the good news that Jesus comes to give, present, invite all of us into, or the truth that he comes to say, listen, this is how the world, how creation is set up, is that you and I. Our sons and daughters, we are children of God. And the barrier between that being real for us, he seems to say, is us believing it. So Jesus' question, um, he says, what do the, who do the people say that the son of man is? Um, Narnia, people like Narnia, all right, there's three of us. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jess, you it twice. So what, are the chil- what were uh, the children, the, well, the first book, which is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, not The Magician's Nephew, if you think we can, we can duel it out later, um, but uh, Edmund, Lucy, Peter, and Susan, they're called, what label are they given by the creatures when they come in? Son of Adam, daughter of Eve. Look at you guys. You guys all know this. A pluses all around. Way to go, everybody. Okay, they're called sons of Adam and the daughter of Eve, and they're called sons of Adam and daughters of Eve because Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, like, that's where Lewis is getting his imagination from, but also the the sacred story has somehow leaked its way in or is true, but, you know in a different sort of way in Narnia. And they're sons of Adam and their daughters of Eve. You and I are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, right? Does this make sense? Like, we're humans, hummus, Adam, ground, grass, earthling. Like, that's where we come from. In, in the Genesis 1 through 3, humans are created in God's image, and then we are formed from the ground. So we're dirt, but we're also God's breath. <clears throat> so when Jesus asks this question, he says, who is the son of man? Uh, who do the people say the son of man is? He's asking a question about himself, which is an interesting thing for Jesus to call himself. But if you rewind all the way in the Old Testament, you'll find this phrase, son of man, being used over and over and over again. And it's a, um, if I, so apocalyptic, we all hear the word apocalyptic and we think the world is on fire and falling into the ocean, right? We think that kind of thing. But apocalypse just means, anybody know what it actually means? Unveiling, all the all that all that apocalypse means is the revealing, the unveiling. So, son of man is used in what's called apocalyptic literature in the Old Testament. Okay, you don't really need you can. It's good to know. Um, and why it matters is because the human beings are meant to participate in the good thing that God's doing in the world. They're apoco- We're apocalyptic creatures. And you can mean that in both ways, because we can burn our worlds down, but we also have the capacity in our lives to be people who reveal god's love Friday, Friday was Friday the dog story Friday morning, I'm driving into church, and i'm thinking <laughs> i'm, I'm drive I hate driving I hate driving I hate rush hour <sighs> It's true um, so I'm driving and i'm and I'm coming f- from from southeast Minneapolis to church and so I'm headed west on 62 and it's just backed up and it's just backed up and then I get to 62 and 35w and I see why it's especially backed up there's a dog just running back and forth across 62 and so there's this guy in a red truck and he's like trying to get it so I pull over to the left and I like box the dog in, and cars are going really, really slow, because Minnesota, like, I, it was a restorative moment for me. I was like, people are, oh, people, and then the most amazing things, okay, wait, so, okay, so this is happening, but while I was driving in, this is what I was thinking about. What does it mean for us to sink into the love of God in our lives? Like, what does it mean that God loves us? I'm, I'm thinking about this and then this dog story, this dog thing is playing out in front of me. And I don't connect the two yet, although you probably are because of how I'm telling the story, right? So I pull over and I try to like trap this dog in and, it, and then another car pulls over and then another car pulls over. And I kid you not, 62 Westbound at the 35W split off was at a standstill for five minutes as we chased this dog down. We were like all in a circle <laughs> and we, the dog escaped. <laughs> The dog escaped and then jumped the fence and then ran down south, 35W, and then guess what happened? All the traffic stopped down there too. It was this most, I don't know what happened. I'm I'm imagining good things happened. It was a beautiful dog with a collar. All this stuff happened, right? And I'm driving away and I'm thinking, wow, what an amazing community I live in that everybody stopped And everybody chased. And then it hit me. Oh, I was just wondering what it's like to sink into the love of God. And here's just a group of people who've stopped what's going on in their life and have said, how can we be about life and good things here? What is it? mean that we can do with our life? What can this, what do humans get to do? What do we get to bring into the world? Humans, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, sons of Eve, daughters of Adam, we are apocalyptic, revealing creatures. And it, it doesn't mean we burn the world down. It means we get to reveal the presence of God in us and among us. We, we read it this morning um, about how we, though we are many, right? Sarah read this for us. How though we are mem- many, we are members of one body, we are members of the body of Christ. And so Jesus asks the question, and he's talking about himself, but he says, who do they say the Son of Man is? And who do they, who do they say that they say Jesus is? What are the... Remember the two names? I heard it, quiet. John the Baptist and Elijah. Now, what's the problem? What's the problem here? Why is... What's the problem with saying Jesus is John the Baptist and Elijah other I mean besides the epically obvious he's not Okay they're dead He's not Okay they're they're pointing to Jesus right They're they're revealing this thing and how about this as just a real simple thing it becomes deeply problematic in our lives when we expect someone to be someone else. So there's this story about, a, uh, about Rabbi Zusha. And um, Rabbi Zusha was one of the most brilliant rabbis of his time. And on his deathbed, he began to cry uncontrollably, just weep, 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 weep. And his students and his disciples gathered around him. They try to comfort him. They say, Rabbi, Rabbi, why are you weeping? You are almost as wise as Moses, and you're almost as hospitable as Abraham. Surely when you make your way to see God, God will judge you favorably. And Zusa, Rabbi Zusa says, it is true. When I get to heaven, I won't worry so much if God asks me, Zusa, why were you not more like Abraham? Why were you not more like Moses? I know I would be able to answer these questions, I'm concerned that when I see God, God will ask me, Zeusia, why were you not more like Zeusia? Part of the problem is that we like to put people in boxes. (laughs) And we like to put ourselves in boxes. And the question will be asked isn't, Daniel, why weren't you more like John the Baptist? Why weren't you more like Elijah? Why weren't you more like Mary? Why weren't you more like these people? The question is, why weren't you you? Why weren't you who I made you and invited you to be? You're an apocalyptic creature. You're, you are here, Just I'm here, just like you're, we're all here. To be people who unveil God in our world and in our lives and in our community. And that's something that's accessible to us every single place we are. Now, <clears throat> uh, I invite you to go to Exodus 1. Um, the Hebrew name, for, does anybody remember the Hebrew name for the book of Exodus? It's a deep cut. Maybe you do. What? Ah, Nathan. Two for two. Names, right? The Hebrew word is Shemot. And Exodus is certainly right, Exodus and Exit. That's a good name for the book, because what are the people doing? They're leaving. And what are they leaving? Egypt? What else? Can we, I mean yes. And? Slavery. What else? Narrow place. Right. They're leaving behind their old lives. They're leaving behind an identity that's been placed on them by the Pharaoh of Egypt that says, You're worth what you can do with your 24 7. They're leaving it behind and they're moving towards all of the things, including affirm a good identity. Shemot. Names. Names are about identity. This conversation we're dropping into with Jesus, where he says, Who do the people say that I am and who do you say they am, is a conversation about our identity and then our purpose in our lives. And so we see these, these people in Exodus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way to Exodus 12. We see this group of people. Most usually we're looking at through the eyes of Moses, but we see them get ready to leave behind and come to be something new, right? Exodus, Shemot is about who you are and what you're journeying towards because it's not just true for them. This isn't just, it's not just a historical thing that happened. It happened and it's happening in all of our lives because all of our lives, we are all following Jesus out of oppressed, enslaved, broken lives to new life. So I love, I love this whole thing and I love what happens um, in Exodus 1 and 2. If you look at verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom's name was Shifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill them. If it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives fear God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the boys live. Now, <clears throat> depending on who you are, how you are, Wired, you may or may not think that that midwifing is an important thing. And even if you think it's an important thing, like having somebody help you give birth, right? I mean, everybody, right? You, (laughs) You probably don't categorize it in the type of thing that absolutely changes the world. These midwives are at the front end of Moses being born. Now, Did they do something extraordinary? What do you think? All right, they did their jobs, and? They said no to the king. So listen, what they did that was extraordinary was they said no to Pharaoh. They said no to death. They said no to being people who participate in a way of living that leads to death and extermination and darkness being everywhere. But they didn't go to seminary. They didn't go stand on a corner with a sign that said John 3, 16. They weren't engaged in what we would consider spiritual work, right? And what they were doing was deeply, deeply godly. Godly. Who are you? Who are they? We're apocalyptic creatures that get to reveal the goodness of God in our lives and in the world around us. This is what they're doing. It's just about faithfulness where they are. If we then um, make our way forward just a little bit, uh, in verse five, we see, or uh, two five, we see the daughter of Pharaoh... Chapter 2, verse 5. The daughter of Pharaoh comes down to bathe in the river. While her attendants walk beside the river, she sees a basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying. She took pity on him and said, This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Is what she's doing amazing? Yes. Why? I agree. Why is it amazing? What about it is big? What's the thing here? What is she doing that's... She's breaking the law. She's doing the same thing the midwives did. She's saying no to Pharaoh. She's saying no to death. She's being an apocalyptic apocalyptic person. She is revealing God's mercy and grace and compassion. And the person she so happens to be re- revealing it to is Moses whose name literally means drawn from water. And I would bet you if we went down to Minnehaha Creek when it's flowing, okay, it's not right now, and we saw a baby in a basket, we'd all pull it out. I don't think there's any of us who would be like, we must leave the child there. So so what's What's big about what she's doing it is the context she's doing it in. She's just being a decent human. But she's being a decent human in resistance to tyranny and to death. Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam, uh, Moses, Shiphrah, Pua, Moses' parents, all of these humans in this story have decided to be people who reveal God's goodness, God's life, God's compassion, God's freedom. All of the things God has, they decide to be those types of people in their everyday normal lives. Okay, back to Matthew 16. So who do they say that I am? Well, Jesus, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he says to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers and says, what does he say? Go ahead. You're the Christ. The son of who? Of the living God. Christ is not Jesus' last name. You all know that though, right? Even though sometimes you might think it with how people use it. It's a descriptor of who he is. And the Greek word is Christos and the Hebrew word is Mashiach. And we have big meanings for those words and they had big meanings for those words but it simply means anointed Are you anointed? What do we what do we call ourselves? Little Christ's Christians? Little anointed ones? that carry around the goodness of God in our lives. We're the body of Christ. We bring it, and we share it. Now remember, before you start thinking I'm saying something, and you're like, Jesus says, if you come after me, you will do what I did and do greater things. And Paul and all of the the apostles all throughout the New Testament and in the Old Testament, we hear over and over that you are sons of God. You are daughters of God. You aren't just sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, but you are sons of the living God. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then, and I tell you, you are Peter, a rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now there's a bunch of different ways to think about, about this, and here's what I would offer is the best fit for us today. Um, the gates of hell, death, destruction, the place evil works its way into our lives, into our hearts, into our homes, the places that are opposing who God is and what God's doing. The different apocalyptic place that wants to burn it all down and instead of revealing, it wants to obscure God in our world. Sons of Adam and daughters of Eve have always been image bearers You go all the way back to Genesis, that's who we are. And Genesis one, we're made in God's image and God's likeness, Genesis two, our call is to be people who work and serve and guard and care for creation. I mean, it sounds a lot like what Jesus does, doesn't it? He said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many sons and daughters of God we stand opposed to the gates of hell what got me thinking about this was when I I saw this morning when I woke up that there was another shooting I didn't even honestly look where it was because I saw it and I just put my phone away. And I was just, I don't know, I felt helpless. Like, what can I do about it? Nothing. There's nothing I can do about what had happened. And so as I sat there and just thinking about all of the things and, you know, like, I mean, this is what ran through my brain. Like, how do you want to bring this up at church? Like, I don't need another downer. But I don't want to be a person who lives with my head in the sand. And I don't want us to be a community that lives with our head in the sand. And there's nothing we can do about what happened there. But there is something we can do about this darkness, this death. We can be people who are apocalyptic people, who are revealing God's love, God's presence here and now. I kid you not. Those cars on the freeway on Friday, I was like, is there a bigger picture, is there a better picture in my life right now of what it means to be people who live in the love of God? Now, I have no idea what any of those people's stories were, but we all stopped. Like, it was three car, well, it was two car, there was, nobody was driving past us. Nobody was honking. Nobody rolled down their window and was like, Halala. Now, I'm sure there were people who were in the back of the line who didn't know what was going on thinking what's going on, like I was. Um, but it was just this, we stopped everything and we had mercy and compassion on the place we were. We did our best and then we all went about our day. That's what we get to do. And it might sound like it's little. It is. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is the anointed one who comes to invite us towards being people who are alive. Who stand opposed opposite the gates of hell. In all of the ways we encounter the gates of hell in our lives. Shiphrah, Pua, Miriam, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph. You start making your way through all of the names and I'll be, none of them are perfect, right? Most of them are deeply flawed. Some of them are, you're like, Seriously? But every story that intersects with the story of God that we have in Scripture is fundamentally about revealing God. God's revealed to us, and then we do that with our lives, and they do that with our lives. So what we're gonna do here is, in just a minute, we're gonna come to the table together, um, and we're gonna have a moment to think about an encounter how God shows up at the very place of our death, and invites us to come to life. So I'll invite you to uh, a moment of, of silence, and then we'll um, we'll come to the table together.